Is there an alien race that uses nudes as currency? Are mosquitoes tiny flying vampires? Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This Paranormal Life! Hello! Hey! And welcome back to This Paranormal Life. This is the weekly comedy podcast where every Tuesday we pick a different case and try to get to the bottom of it by the end of the episode and decide whether it's paranormal or not. As always, you're joined by me, Kit Greer-Mulvena, and the guy sitting across from me, Rory Pars. How are you doing today, Rory? I'm doing great. To answer your first question, can nudes be used as a currency? Uh, technically, no, but they can be used in a barter-type system where they are exchanged for services. For example, a nude can be exchanged for a restraining order. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. That's not bartering. Or that is just, I think that's called the consequences of your actions. <laughs> of actions, yeah. Because I always say sometimes, you know, shaking a bee's nest can be exchanged for bee stings. <laughs> right. Again, I think that's not really getting something right. out of it. That's it's more just a consequence for selling. the actions. It's, it's what I like to call the FAFO law, the f*** around, find out law. Yeah. Well, right now I'm suffering from one of those, which is no sunscreen can be exchanged for becoming as red as a f***ing Teletubby. <laughs> right, Poe specifically, I uh, went not out, Tinky Winky. I went out, I got a little bit burned. That was bad of me. I should have known that my vampiric Northern Irish skin wouldn't be able to handle the heat. Uh, so I, I've been suffering through that that consequence for the last few days. Yeah, um, I wasn't going to say anything, but um, you look like a snake. A snake that <laughs> needs to shed its skin all in one giant go. I'm trying to shed in one piece so I can essentially create a second Rory <laughs> that can do things for me like jury duty and look after my kids and shit that I don't want to do. Yeah, I think if we kind of, if we just put a Raspberry Pi computer in it and give it AI, <laughs> right, yeah. it, it might be smarter than you, honestly. <laughs> it might have more IQ points. Yeah, it wouldn't take that much, I'm pretty sure. But aside from the sunburn, I'm doing pretty great today, Kit. How are you doing? Um, pretty good. Um, we are coming up to summertime, and we are coming up to my kind of annual sunburning of a lifetime. Whoa! Um, usually it's around this time that I quote-unquote get it wrong Yeah. Um, innocently for, for the first time. The sun shines, destroy myself. The sun shines so rarely in the UK that it's just enough time to... Forget the lesson you learned the last time it showed up, yeah. which is do put on sunscreen and look after yourself. And then you don't see the damn thing for about 11 months and you're just so happy you want to run around in a field completely naked. Yeah, I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. The last time I got destroyed was doing some marathon training uh, back in the day and uh, I ran for about five hours uh, with my top off on the beach just in time to jog into the uh, burn victims unit of the local <laughs> hospital because I was toasted, flambéed and roasted. Uh, but this is not what we're here to talk about today. That is just a it simple... Is. It actually is. Oh, Kids' nipples were so toasted they looked like two pieces of pepperoni. <laughs> he looked like someone gave legs to a leather handbag. I walked into the hospital and someone said, did anyone order Papa John's? Because I smelled like... Pastrami. Uh, I think that is just to be honest, unique to the male lizard brain that we can't remember to put on sun cream uh, every year when it starts to heat up. We actually have an even bigger 
uh, investigation to get on with today. Uh, it's not a UFO. It's not a cryptid sighting. It's mm. not a ghost, but instead a whole paranormal phenomena that we have to get to the bottom of. But not a cryptid or a ghost or a UFO? What do you know, Rory, about out-of-body experiences? Ooh, not much at all. Out-of-body experiences, uh, I feel like the closest we've ever come to talking about them on the podcast before are possibly either past lives mm -hmm. or people who suffer through some forms of sleep paralysis, who have strange dreams where they're looking down at their own bodies. Both excellent examples. These are, if you're not aware, these are not to be confused with in-the-body experiences, which is pretty much everyday life. Brushing your teeth, walking your dog, all in-body experiences. Where it starts to get paranormal is where you're minding your own business and then, uh-oh, you're not in your body anymore. Is technically, is sex an in-body experience? <laughs> I guess for the dude. That's a great, that's a great <laughs> uh, intro question. <laughs> there you go. But if you think about it, that it is... It quickly becomes an out-of-body experience. Learn in again. <laughs> in theory, that's usually how it goes. It's the best damn six seconds out of your body you're going to have. If you think about it, that is kind of as paranormal as it gets. If you think about the entire human experience is we are a f***ing AI or some kind of ghost Oh, yeah. Stuck inside a shell. I think that was the name of the movie, Ghost in the Shell. We are piloting a skeleton mech. Um, we are walking around in our bodies. That is how we live our entire lives from birth to death. The number one strangest thing that could happen to us is for our consciousness to not be inside our body anymore. That's true. I've never actually thought of it like that before. That is, That would be terrifying. Now, out-of-body experiences can take many forms, but there is one kind that are probably the most famous. Mm. And we're gonna hear about them and really get stuck into today's investigation. But first, we have an even bigger announcement to make. Are we allowed to finally say it? I think so. We're going on tour! Holy moly! This October, we are embarking on our first ever world tour. That means we're touring here in the UK, but also for the first time ever. We're coming to the USA. We're coming to LA, San Francisco, Chicago, Somerville, and New York City. New York City. Then we're hopping across the pond to Belfast, Glasgow, Manchester, and London. The tickets go on sale this Friday, the 30th of June at thisparanormallife.com forward slash tour. But as you know, for all of our live shows, patrons have access to a pre-sale launching tomorrow, Wednesday, 28th of June. So if you want to grab the first wave of tickets, head on over to patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life and become a patron for as little as five bucks to get access to the pre-sale and also get like a hundred bonus episodes too. So that's this paranormal life world tour going on sale Friday, 30th of June at this forward slash tour. Link is in the description of this episode. Come and see us live. Okay, today's case starts, of course, on Reddit. This post was written by user zombie underscore twats with a Z. Okay, we're gonna have to beep that, I think. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They allow you to have that on Reddit? You better get used to it because I'm gonna be saying it a lot. And get those giggles out of the way to listeners at home giggles. because you're All not right. going to be giggling much longer because zombie twats 
hasn't giggled since George Bush was in office. So gross. That's because the fateful story of zombie twits begins with an overdose. Our hero is found unconscious by their sister. Please, come quick! Please, come quick! The next thing they know, they are phasing in and out of consciousness. The medical professionals were doing everything they could. Endless blood tests to see what was going on, but they were losing him. I don't remember a lot of it. I remember asking what was going on and waking up in some random bed in another room. We're transferring you to an intensive care unit in the next city over by helicopter. Unfortunately for the doctors, despite being completely out of it, what zombie twits lacked in consciousness, he made up for in physical strength. He was, of course, wrestling on the hospital bed like fucking Wolverine, pulling out his tubes and Jesus. wires out of his arms, trying to fight the medical staff. They had to restrain him and reinsert his IV and deliver the medication that he needed to pull through. That's a weird reaction to ever have if you wake up in hospital. To start flailing about and ripping out the cables. If I ever wake up in hospital, I'm going to assume the reason I got here was important and the people here are trying to help me. That says a lot about you as a person. If you wake up and they're like, oh, thank goodness you're awake. We found you and you... Why? What have you done in your life that you think people are trying to kill you with wires? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, they finally come. They've come for it. My social security number. We don't care about you. We're trying to save your life. Uh, it is true, though. I mean, we've all seen those uh, videos of people on a dentist chair or a hospital bed whacked out on uh, morphine or different painkillers. And, uh, you know, it's pretty sweet for the most part. Most people just revert into a kind of little baby. Going to the dentist in the UK is so f***ed as well. Because I'm pretty sure in the States, they gas you up. They give you all the pills. You're basically off your tits in the chair having a great time. And from my experiences here in the UK... It, they give like, you a twig to bite down on and they <laughs> kick you in the nuts to distract you. <laughs> they put a potato in your mouth like you're a stuffed hog and just go to town. <laughs> no, I've been there where they're like, they're like, whatever, have to get a filling or have to do some work. And they're like, all right, so um, we're, we're going to make sure that we can numb the pain here uh, so you don't feel anything. So uh, to do that, we're just going to give you an injection straight into your gums mm. so that you don't feel a thing. And you're like, okay, cool. And the... And how do I, and the numbing for the injection? How do I get numb so I don't feel the injection? He's already flicking the biggest needle you've ever seen. <laughs> They're like leather strapping your hands to the seat. And you're like, Doc, this, the first injection though. The first that, ah! That thing goes straight in. And, and it then, goes straight in. And they don't even get it. My doctor didn't even get it the first time. I had to, they had to numb me up. So I had like potato mouth. And then, <laughs> stop talking about potatoes. <laughs> and then... They, uh, and then, you know, they always say the most bullshit thing right before they do that. They always say the words, you're going to feel a scratch. It's like, yeah. no, I'm going to feel a three inch needle going into my mouth. It's not a scratch, dog. Oh, it's rough. It's, it's like rough. you tickling me. That would be a scratch. Yeah. Not a needle. Four nurses and doctors had to pin down his limbs so they could insert a nasogastric tube when just then, for a second, he lost vision. But when his sight returned a moment later, he wasn't looking at the nurses anymore. 
He could only see his own face. He had bulging eyes and puffy red cheeks. Oh. After 18 hours of treatment, my heart had stopped. I was then outside of my body, looking at the doctor and nurses trying to start my heart back up again. They were injecting me with shit and doing compressions. The doctor had a bald spot on top of his head. The nurse had what looked like a ketchup stain on her pants leg. It's blood, buddy. I, d I didn't just float there, though. I went somewhere. It was very, very cold and dark, and nobody else was there. I didn't know what was going on, but I was scared. Time stopped existing for me. I was yelling, trying to find another person. And then suddenly, I was yanked and flew back into my body. I felt like I had been slammed into a wall. It hurt to come back. I had been clinically dead for two minutes. Whoa! I didn't wake up for eight hours after that. I didn't tell the doctor about the cold place. I rarely tell people about the cold place. I did tell him about the floating, though. I told it seems him what, like kind of the same thing. I told him what <laughs> happened, who did what, what they were wearing, and about his bald patch. Rude. He told me that that happens sometimes, and that I should see a therapist specializing in out-of-body experiences. I didn't, of course. User ZombieTwits says that he healed well and went on to live a normal life, save for sometimes thinking about his strange and paranormal experience that probably not everyone is ready to understand. Yeah, telling the doctor immediately about the cold place is a way to guarantee you ain't leaving the hospital that night. That's a very safe way to say, you're, what, you might be going to a different hospital, actually, after your short stay in this one. Yeah, everyone knows you gotta, you gotta make like an injured horse and be like, I'm doing great, Doc! I, yeah, feel, yeah, yeah. I feel a million bucks! I feel like I can get back to work tonight! Let's get me out of here. <laughs> Let's get some of these tubes out of my arm and I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to tell them you're, you're feeling great because otherwise, because they're going to be trying to take it real cautious. Yeah. And you don't, yes, you don't want to get checked into an insane asylum. So don't talk about the cold place. Not a good idea. <laughs> I Not mean, I, I feel uh, really sympathetic here to the doctors and nurses and stuff because they are trained to handle medical emergencies. Sure. Blood pissing out of people people with their arms hanging off, people with sore throats. Things that happen... Wide range happen of to, illnesses. That, that. It's true. To the, things that happen to the human body. What they're not prepared for is nine out of ten patients coming back and talking immediately about the cold place. <laughs> That's out of their jurisdiction. We I, cannot expect them to be able to uh, cure cancer and also know about the cold place. Yes, I think you you need a witch doctor for the second one. You need at least me or Rory sitting in the corner of the room going, so you've seen it too. Right, yeah. I'm the, I'm the other patient <laughs> that's been in the shadows of the room. And they're like, get him out of here. He keeps trying to talk to the new patients. <laughs> Did you see it? Did you see it? Did you yeah. see the goat man? <laughs> they're like, why, why are you in here? Has your consciousness tapped into a next level of existence no i have chlamydia but i do know about the cold place <laughs> in the scheme of things we've heard on this part of my life that's a pretty powerful story what do you make of that rory look we can dress this up any way we want but it seems like this person's soul left their body 
and was drifting, hopefully, up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know yeah. one place is hot. Right. So maybe the cold place is actually pretty chill and good and yeah. maybe heaven. Cold seems bad. It does seem like it's not... I think if we're hearing about someone's near-death experience, we don't want... That's not the... That's not very heartening to hear, but no. it's not know. smoky. <laughs> yeah. It's not. They didn't smell barbecue or Szechuan sauce. It, yeah. it wasn't a kind of fiery BBQ pit. Uh, so hopefully it was heading in the right direction. But it sounds like it just got recalled back like a yo-yo when he sprung back to life again. The reason that we started here, that we started our adventure here today is because zombie twits, of course, had something called a near-death experience or mm-hmm. NDE where you come either so close to death that you experience the very precipice and edge of death itself, or you do technically die for a short amount of time before being resuscitated. Have you ever had a near-death experience yourself? (laughs) Um, Aside from the time me and you drank a bottle of whiskey and then started jumping across rooftops in our hometown, um, that was technically near-death. But I, I didn't actually, my heart didn't stop for any period of time or anything like that and experience these out-of-body feelings. Uh, what about you? Uh, I once choked on a gobstopper as a child, <laughs> an enormous gobstopper. I basically almost died like one of the kids in Willy Wonka's <laughs> Chocolate Factory tour. You know, one died in a river. <laughs> one f***ing turned into a blueberry and I almost choked to death on an enormous gobstopper. And as you're choking on that gobstopper... Your brother Colin standing over you like f***ing Walter White and Breaking Bad standing over Jesse Pinkman's girlfriend <laughs> overdosing. He's like, do I save him? Right. He's a bad person, <laughs> but can I literally just sit here and watch him die? <laughs> that was just like Willy Wonka watching Augustus Gloop in the Chocolate River. I was like, I know legally I should help him because it's my factory and everything, but... He kind of made the calculation. He was like, I think CCTV is pointed this way. I can see me stalling, so <laughs> right. I think I got to move. I could maybe tell the Oompa Loompas to wipe the tapes before the cops get here, but I'll just save the f***ing yeah, kid. I'll just save him. I'll, like, I'll, I'll try it slowly. Yeah. I'll like save him slowly. He really didn't care about what happened to a lot of those kids. We've covered it many times before. He's a criminal. Because isn't one, one girl, she hops up and it's like... Oh, she's a bad egg. So she goes to the place all the bad eggs go. And then, uh, you know, the parents are like, oh, where do the bad eggs go? To the to the Swazbosley cushion world? Or maybe the f***ing Grimbo de Limbo? And he's like, it's the furnace. We burn, we burn the bad eggs. <laughs> it's like, that's a cute joke, yeah. but nah. Mr. Wonka, though, is it like the furnace of... Warness, it's like a rhyme to it doesn't actually cook eggs, does it? No, it's a giant fire. It is a giant fire with a conveyor belt. Your daughter's dead. She is dead. (laughs) Now, if you'll give me a second, this little cowboy child is stuck in a television. There's a it's been a bad day for Willy Wonka. And if we look at our first story here, it's very easy to see what is paranormal about this experience. In this case, zombie soul or consciousness or whatever you want to call it, literally left his body and went somewhere else to the extent that he claims to have seen things that he wouldn't have otherwise been able to see. Right. Supposedly, he, for all intents and purposes, became a ghost temporarily. Yeah, he got that drone footage. (laughs) Got that. He went UAV mode. (laughs) But for now, we're going back to out-of-body experiences. Most NDEs are out-of-body experiences, but not all out-of-body experiences are NDEs. Think of it that way. You don't have to come near death necessarily to have an out-of-body experience okay 
They were first described and named all the way back during the Second World War in mm. 1943, which sort of makes sense if you think about it, because during the war, a lot more people than usual were coming near to death. Yeah. It's also pretty easy to spot whether you've left your body and gone to the paranormal other world, because、uh, if you're in a trench wearing clothes covered in mud, you're still alive. If you blink and you're on a white sand beach drinking Mai Tais with Aslan the lion, You might just be having an NDE. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest.、Uh, war is a situation where many people's minds are trying to escape their body as much as possible. <laughs>、right. They'll do anything to not be conscious in this moment right now in the horrific scenes. So,、uh, in an environment like that, it's no surprise people were having out of body experiences. But of course, people have been having these experiences for thousands of years too. It just took kind of modern researchers to give it a name and write it down for it to kind of technically enter the history books. All 16 years of my marriage, my wife described me as mentally vacant. I don't、so、know if that's. The I, I had same a pretty as... long out of body experience because I wasn't present. In the relationships. Yeah, but there's、said. a difference between, like, between being emotionally available and being floating six feet above <laughs> your family looking down at them. My family called me Limp Daddy because there wasn't a beep of brain power behind these eyes. <laughs> I was off on a beach somewhere else in the Bahamas, mentally thousands of miles away. Yeah, I don't know if playing Fortnite. <laughs> And ignoring your family counts as an out of body experience. I guess technically you, you, your brain thinks you're somewhere else. <laughs> But what I'm trying to say is, whenever someone is in a bad situation like war or my marriage to Susan,、um, I can see why mentally they would vacate and their consciousness would try to escape their body. Victorians called this experience traveling clairvoyance. They saw it as a way to physically connect to the spirit world. And old Indian scriptures describe yogis being able to intentionally leave their bodies in spirit and then return at will. It seems like throughout history, people have identified this as a power and tried to harness it. Hmm, very interesting. I mean,、I'm, I think we've kind of seen this depiction vaguely, haven't we? Of like in a movie or something, is like, you know, a yogi,、uh, like a withered old man in a cave and he's meditating. Yeah. But his spirit, his spirit, he's astrally projecting, and his spirit is like flying across the earth and, like,、right. I don't know, saving people from fires like Superman or something. But they can, their spirit is stronger than their physical body. Yeah, I think you're talking about The Last Jedi. <laughs> you're getting a bit confused with ancient texts. Pretty close, honestly.、Yeah. I mean, Star Wars、uh, kind of notoriously rips off every world religion and, and、uh, theology for its movies. So, Definitely stolen from this kind of idea. Yeah.、Uh, which means the good news is you don't have to almost die to have an out of body experience. They, were, they weren't dropping pianos on yogis' heads and asking them what they saw. According to Wikipedia, there are other ways you can get there, Rory. And please, for the love of God, no one try these at home. Ooh, okay. But the list includes traumatic brain injuries. Okay, check. Got one of those. Sensory deprivation. Yeah. Gobstopper to the throat. Is that one? <laughs> Psychedelic drugs. Oh, okay. That's, that makes sense. Dehydration. Via gobstopper. Nothing's going down that throat afterwards. Sleep deprivation. Yeah, I didn't sleep that night. Dreaming. <laughs> Wait, both? So not sleeping and also dreaming can do it? And lastly, electrocuting your brain.、Mm. 
Have you tried any of these? I feel like the closest to an out-of-body experience I've probably ever had would be via a dream. Um, but then at that point, that kind of delegitimizes the entire thing because by definition, it wasn't real. I guess it would have to be a dream in which those events actually took place somehow. Like a dream that became a premonition or something. Exactly. It kind Almost of interlinks like travel. somewhat with reality in a bizarre way, which mine didn't. Uh, because I was dressed as Goku fighting Abraham Lincoln. I just wasn't in my body at the time. So obviously that is a dream that did not come true. Yet! Not yet, I will say. Still time. Uh, but no, what about you? Have any of these worked for you? I would say, I mean, I feel like for anyone, a few of these have happened to me, or intentionally or otherwise. Um, I did try a sensory deprivation tank once. Have you ever tried it? You really tried it? I did. I think I got a gift voucher from a mate to do it here in London. Wow. Did it work? I went with my wife uh, and I knew quite a bit, I think, about it going in. I kind of knew what I was getting into. So I was going to be disappointed if I had nothing less than a complete out-of-body psychedelic experience. I completely underestimated how difficult it would be to float in that little pod and not get the salty water in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> because it's saltier than you would believe, brother. I, th <laughs> I think they put too much water in your tank. Are you supposed to be floating like a log? Yeah, that's the whole point. The, really? The point of a sensory deprivation tank is you get in and it's so salty that you uh, float totally effortlessly. Yeah. It's heated to the exact temperature of human skin so that you can't really feel where the water begins and your skin ends. Right. And lots of other factors that are uh, sort of supposed to match your surroundings. It's also completely pitch black, so that you physically can't see anything. The idea being, you go back to egg mode. You go back to oh, fetus I see. mode as if you don't even exist yet. Was my mother that salty? <laughs> I don't have a lot of memories from being zero, but... Uh... <laughs> That, that doesn't sound like exactly how I would remember it. It sounds like they added just enough salt into your tank so that you would sink and also burn your eyes. It was a bad combination I think you got. Uh, I think, in fairness to me, I think I lasted like the full hour or whatever because um, I, I think I f***ed up and got salt water in my... It's so, it, it's so <laughs> salty it burns like acid. There was something wrong with your tank, I'm pretty sure. There's no way this was right. <laughs> yeah, well, I pissed in it, but that was because the, the toilet was busy before I went in. But but I did manage to figure out how to get in without f***ing it up. And, uh, and I did have a pretty nuts experience. You, you do kind of zone out to a strange mental state. My wife lasted, I think, about four minutes and she was like, f*** this, I'm going to be in the waiting room. Um, really? What did she see? <laughs> the cold place. <laughs> she went straight to the fucking cold place. Nope. She just, uh, <laughs> you just close that pod and just see the Grim Reaper <laughs> holding the scythe. You're like, all right, I see I'm what's done. in my future. I see what's in it and I'm not interested. Uh, like I say, this list of ways that you can have an out-of-body experience, uh, do not try any of these at home. You have to be a trained paranormal investigator to try these at home, which is why Rory's going to pick one of these methods I just mentioned in an attempt to have an out-of-body experience right here in the studio. Oh, I don't know about that. And I will say, some of these do take too long to kick in, so uh, we don't have any drugs nearby either. So your options are, I kick you in the head or I electrocute your brain. Do we have any other stories today to talk about people who have had near-death experiences? I think we just get to the meat and potatoes of this case, which is, 
let's get Rory brain damage. I mean, an out-of-body experience. There, there was no meat at any point. There was a Reddit post in today's story, and now you're asking f- for the check. But no, so far we've heard just one story of what an out-of-body experience can look like. And we've looked at maybe what our own might have looked like, but... You know, as dehydrated as Rory gets after a night out drinking a Rory's dozen of Corona Ritas, he's never hit out of body dehydration levels. Never. Not yet. But we are only scratching the surface of what can happen during one of these out of body experiences. And we're going to find out even more right after some words from today's sponsors. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest, and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a life therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here? Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. I wanted to find out more about OOBEs. That's what they call them, by the way. I don't know about it yet. In okay. the industry. So I looked into the thousands of people around the world that have had unbelievable experiences. Like I said, you don't need to nearly die to experience these, but it doesn't hurt. Right. Or at least it does hurt, but it definitely <laughs> helps. <laughs> and one story of a near-death experience in 2006 caught my eye. A man named David Ditchfield was at a train station in Cambridge waving off his friend at the platform when he heard the tannoy system. Please stand free of the closing doors. He barely registered it, unconsciously happy in the knowledge that he was free of the closing doors. But just then, he felt a tug. He might have been, but his coat was not free of the closing doors. Oh. His coat got caught in the door as the train began to speed off. 
It pulled him under the train, where he was smooshed and smashed like a tube of toothpaste Jesus. by the train. Unbelievably, he survived, but barely. Looking like a mangled Ren and Stimpy cartoon, laying on the train tracks, waiting for medical attention Good and looking Lord. up at the sky, he was later, after recovery, able to be interviewed by Psychology Today about what he saw while he lay there. I could see pulsating colors like little orbs, much brighter and sharper than any colors I'd seen in my normal life. Watching them was really relaxing and therapeutic. It was such a beautiful place. He's losing blood. A lot of blood, clearly. He's been run over by a train. <laughs> multiple train carriages. The sensation of love became stronger, and as I looked at my feet, I saw a huge tunnel of light drawing closer towards me. I felt, and I still believe this now, that the white light was the source of all creation. I never dreamt I would ever see something so beautiful. It was the light of pure, unconditional love. Editors note that was when they injected morphine. Yeah. Unfortunately, no. It was the approaching second train <laughs> arriving at the platform. <laughs> Unfortunately, no, it was the 1605 to Bexley Heath. <laughs> then an unconditional wave of pain approached my body. It's so great that this guy lived so that we can laugh at we this We can story. laugh about it's this. Great. I forgot this was real for a second, I'll be honest with you. Uh, every molecule of my body was pulsating with love and light. Definitely the morphine kicking in, for sure. I felt more alive than I ever have done before. It felt like I was experiencing the true reality, while my old world was just an illusion. I threw my head back and laughed, because I felt so joyous, and suddenly, I was back in hospital, being rushed into the operating theatre. But fascinatingly, more than 14 years later, he claims it, it completely changed his life, um, his outlook on life at least. Hmm. In 2020, he said... Now I feel like I'm living in different dimensions rather than one. Wow. Oh, it someone is, keep an eye on him. It has made my life so much more interesting. I have more appreciation for nature and the world seems like such a beautiful place. Mm. Which, to be fair, he does sound like some kind of f***ed up Marvel villain waiting to happen. I see in multiple dimensions now and I can see that mankind is a cancer on this earth. Yeah, we're so close to veering into the dangerous change of mindset. <laughs> But isn't that nuts that the tunnel of light is real? That's not a cliche for movies. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously real enough in some form that a lot of people have talked about it before and had a similar kind of experience, um, which it's good to hear, frankly. <laughs> That's really nice to hear. Because I know we're, we are, to be clear, we are joking that, yes, they're injecting him with morphine as he's feeling these things. No, this is him, as Roy says, Every bone in his body broken, bleeding out. What should be the lowest, most animalistic, uh, close to death point of his existence yeah. is actually the most uh, incredible, beautiful and poetic moment of his life. Yeah. And look, we can all say maybe this is a little out there and a little wacky, but would you rather this or would you rather that they bring him back and they're like, oh, what, what did you see? And he's like, there's nothing. There's nothing. Everything went black until this moment when you brought me back and to life. I felt every second. I wish <laughs> I could say it was like a snap of the fingers. I felt every second. I lived there for a thousand years. 
and you're only now bringing me back. <laughs> and I have to say, this experience was pretty triggering for me, Rory, not because of the time I got my trousers caught on a mechanical bull, but because I've had my own out-of-body experience, and depending on who you ask, near-death experience. That was the time you got your trousers caught on a real bull. <laughs> Something we never thought would happen again. You thought you'd figured it out and went for the real thing the second time around. Yeah, everyone was yelling, you lasted three seconds on the mechanical bull and You're broke your neck. Yeah. The real thing will surely kill you. Look, I've talked about it on the podcast before. I'm not going to labor the story. Um, I met a German shaman in a forest and smoked toad venom. This is not a bit, unfortunately. It's not a bit. It's not a bit. Uh, the Sonoran Desert Toad <laughs> is home to the most powerful mind-altering compound ever discovered by man or god. He's the loud. He's also the loudest sleeping amphibian that there is. The Sonoran Toad. <laughs> <laughs> the Sonoran Toad. <laughs> Found in the Snoring Desert, they they grab these toads and they 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 scare them and and then hold them up to a little pane of glass and they fire toad venom at it and then you uh, smoke the venom. That sounds like a you you so you know it's venom. <laughs> you know yeah. it's a bad thing well, they use as a defense mechanism you need, you need, to stop them from getting eaten. You need <laughs> to know what to tell the doctors who try to resuscitate you. You need to, to let them know what toad it was. That's like uh, scaring a skunk and they <laughs> skeet their f***ing juice that smells like rotten shit as a way to escape. And you're like, I might drink that stuff. Let me see what it does to my brain. Let's see if it's, I meet God. <laughs> seems like a bad idea. You don't drink in a squid's ink. These are things that you shouldn't do. Kind of makes sense, though, doesn't it? If you're trying to have an, a near-death experience, smoke, <laughs> yeah, well, smoke and venom will, will pretty much get you there. There you go. Because eating the venom, that will kill you. Smoking sure, it? Yeah. yeah, sure. Was this an out-of-body? I know it was a wild ride, but I didn't know if it was an out-of-body experience you had after ingesting this smoky toad. Let me show you, using a JPEG image description on my telephone, a rough idea of what happened when I smoked the toad venom. <laughs> okay. This is a kid showing me a picture of essentially the hand of God reaching down from the heavens, smashing through the sky like it's a fake brick wall holding a giant Miller beer. A <laughs> Miller light, yeah. And serving it to the people down below. But it's not about the Miller. Uh, it, it's simply that this is an analogy for what happened, except imagine instead of a, an ice-cold Miller Genuine Draft, it was just the face of God in the universe. Uh, right. But the concept of imagine your uh, field of vision cracked like an iPhone touchscreen and fell away, and then true reality was kind of laid bare behind it. Yeah, that would that, that would change you for sure. Yeah, and it was just like tunneling through uh, a white void, through a wormhole, through a kind of black hole of kind of pure consciousness, screaming, screaming. None of this sounds good, by the way. The, or nice. Oh, it wasn't good. Um, <laughs> screaming at the top of your lungs, hearing the voices of the ancestors, speaking in every kind of alien language, uh, known and unknown to science and God. And then about 10 minutes later, uh, waking up, much like uh, our hero here, David, 
kind of, uh, in his case, on a hospital bed. In my case, in a shaman's living room. Yeah, you woke up and the shaman was like, all right, so that was crack cocaine. Now you're ready for the toad venom. <laughs> you're like, that was cocaine? <laughs> well, that's some good stuff. That is the real deal. You kind of want to really strap in for the venom. <laughs> this stuff will drive you wild. Um, and, and maybe that is the point where I say, uh, don't try this at home. Because you're right, it's not. Obviously, it's not pleasant. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's an out-of-body experience. Absolutely. You leave your fucking body. For about 30 minutes after I woke up, I didn't know who Kit was. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, you're, you're kind of neuralized, essentially. So, I mean, I can attest firsthand, this is possible through uh, psychedelic means. Yeah, I guess it's, you know, this, this same question we came about with dreams. You know, you may have had this experience. You may have uh, believed it to be real because you're comprehending it through your own brain. But uh, at what point is it real or not a hallucinogenic? I mean, a hallucinogenic implies that it is a hallucination, by definition, not real. So unless you f***ing flew through outer space and went to the side of the moon landing and took the flag down, and then the next day they're like, you guys aren't going to believe this, but the flag fell down somehow. I know there's not wind in space, but it happened. Uh, that would be an indication of you kind of interacting with reality uh, and this world. I think that's where it gets interesting, Rory, because earlier in our tale, obviously in our first story, we're hearing about someone who floats literally out of their body, but staying in this realm enough to see the ketchup stain on the nurse's trousers and the bald spot on the doctor's head. Um, but David's experience of getting trampled and mangled and smushed by a train and my experience of smoking toad venom um, <laughs> That is more... None of these are good witnesses for a paranormal case. <laughs> a dude who was hit by a train, another guy who smoked venom from a toad? Trust me, bro. <laughs> You're gonna want to hear what I have to say. Usually we want, like, a professor from a university or an, an astronomist or something. I'm a, I'm a professor from the University of Miller Lite. How about that? Uh... We don't want a guy called Keikel who fell and hit his head on a rock. A guy called Tron <laughs> who got hit by a helicopter blade. Uh, but in David's and my case, this is more, as David described it, uh, skipping to another dimension, which feels right. almost more realistic, right? It's like, I mean, this famous concept of seeing the light, seeing the tunnel of light, it's not here on Earth, is it? It's you're out of your body, but not still here in the in this paranormal life headquarters. Yeah, yeah. I guess the difference with the out of body experience is you kind of are still on Earth, but the implication is that you're going somewhere else. Hmm. Uh, you just went to the cold place. You straight up got there in about two minutes. Such a short commute time. And maybe one of the most interesting bits about it, as you say, Rory, at what point is this not just a dream? Well, something David mentioned uh, is actually incredibly common when they do research of people who've had near-death experiences. So many report many of the same things. David reported that his experience felt to be much, much, much more real than his waking life, which oh. is not normally how we describe dreams. We kind of pretty easily shake off um, dreams in the morning and Often, even when we're having the dreams, we're able to 
shake them off or people can even lucid dream, realize they're dreaming in the middle of it. <laughs> Whereas, get this, they did one study of 1,122 people who suffered near-death experiences. 65% of them said that their colors and vision were sharper and brighter and more intense than anything they'd ever experienced in their life. Wow. Uh, most blind people, even people who've been blind from birth who have near-death experiences, can see during their <laughs> near-death experiences for the first time. What? Uh, people routinely report that their experience is more intense, more real than the real world. What right. could this mean? It's kind of like, you know, you're living your life with a wonky HDMI cable and then you get hit so hard, they just jam that thing in, and it's, oh, 4K, 60 frames per second, vivid colors uh, in that moment. I mean, it might have something to do with sheer adrenaline as well, that all of your senses are just cranked up when you're having some an experience that traumatic. It's definitely one of the theories, because uh, of course this is happening in theory inside our brains, whether it's paranormal or whether it's not. Hmm. So look, what we have is a borderline endless stream of historical experiences of NDEs and OOBEs, even yours truly, and some inconclusive proof that maybe something really paranormal is going on, you know, seeing the thing in the room that you couldn't have seen otherwise. Sure. So how are the people at home supposed to decide whether they think out-of-body experiences are really paranormal or not? By giving them an out-of-body experience of their own. I have released toad venom into the water supply of L Greater London. No. I mentioned earlier that out-of-body experiences can be achieved through stimulating the auditory system using specific frequencies. Mm. Or in English, hearing noises that make you go loco. We've covered this many times on the podcast before, such as in the case where we investigated uh, the Lavender Town Syndrome. That's right. Where certain frequencies can affect the human brain. Uh, this is a real thing. And this is of particular interest to us because you are currently listening to a .mp3 file of sounds recorded at 48 kilohertz. We have the ability to play through this podcast sounds that could induce an out-of-body experience. Hmm. Rory, I have found a YouTube playlist that promises to scientifically induce an out-of-body experience just by using sound, and we're going to expose ourselves to it right now at the same time as the audience. Uh, do we? Are we legally allowed to do this? I feel like maybe forms If you're driving a car and can't float to Mars right now, <laughs> please adjust your set forwards about 30 seconds. Everyone else, prepare to die. <laughs> Uh, I will say the YouTube video that we're going to be playing uh, does come with instructions. Oh, okay. They write, all caps, CAUTION! This is astral projection. Sorry, not this is. This astral projection music. Right. Strap yourself in a comfy laying down position. Dot, dot, dot. Get really comfy. <laughs> Colon space. Put those nice headphones on. Make sure your eyes are closed or covered to prevent light and enjoy the ride to the astral plane. This experience can be intense. Will you astral travel? Maybe. Will you journey to astral plane? Maybe. Maybe, sure. There is only one way to find out. Rory, are you ready? Let's do it. Let's dive in. All right, the astral travel frequencies have begun. Remember to stay relaxed and 
as I say, if you're driving, try to aim your astral travel to a dimension that also has cars so you can retain kind of function over your automobile. Right. We are not liable to be sued for any astral travel that takes place while you're driving a motor vehicle. Or are you feeling any kind of tingling sensations or anything to suggest that your consciousness might be exiting out your asshole? Trust me, brother, my consciousness started wandering long before you started playing this file. I'm glad to hear that. This episode is having some effect on you. I don't know about that. Uh, It's pretty relaxing, I will say. If you maybe put some headphones on and lean backwards, it could do something to you. It might send you to the dream dimension. Okay, I'm conscious that we still need to land this plane, so I am going to try and bring the listeners back through the astral realm. Don't get lost. Turn left at the three-eyed coyote and please make it back to Earth where possible. We're coming back in three, two, one... I think I was losing there for a second, but oh, I'm, I'm God, glad yeah. to see that um, seemed to be... How many how many fingers am I holding up? Four. <laughs> All right, he's, he's gone. <laughs> he's gone. Rory, that is supposedly one of the ways you can get to some kind of astral plane or have just a general out-of-body experience. Do you think, do you think that one is kind of moving the needle for you at all? Or do you think you still need to get kicked in the head by me? Uh, look, I've been waiting for this moment in this case. We talked about a lot of things today. We talked about people having experiences in the hospital, someone getting hit by a train, and Kit smoking the venom of a toad. I've been waiting for the moment that we finally bring up astral projection. Right. And just like Kit gave you a warning before that video started uh, that you can tune out or skip forward if you don't want to hear something unpleasant, I'm going to give you that opportunity right now as well, folks. If you don't want to hear me go tinfoil hat on right now, you can skip forward maybe 45, where, where, 50 minutes. Where are we going? Because I'm about to launch off. another podcast about to start? Another, part two is about, about to start, Jeez. motherfucker. Because it, you want to talk about outer body experiences, it's all about astral projection. We're going to take a quick moment to pause here while I take off my Atlanta Braves baseball hat. Jeez. And put on my tinfoil hat. I need to throw that thing away because Here we go. This, you wield too much power with the tinfoil beret. <laughs> it's so small. All right. It's still so small. You had your warning. Now here comes the unhinged paranormal investigator chat. You want to talk about paranormal evidence for astral projection, brother? It was in front of you the whole time. Look on the paranormal wall behind me. I have pages of redacted actual government investigations into astral projection. These pages on the walls, these are printouts from a declassified CIA investigation into the phenomenon of astral projection where they did experiments to see if a human's mind could travel to other dimensions. Why are you so passionate about a case you've never covered on the show before? I cover it off the show every night before I go to bed. These are all real. I Every night I astrally project to Miley Cyrus's house where I make out with her, all right? <laughs> Uh, it's true. For, for for those people watching the video recordings of this podcast, um, we kind of built a conspiracy wall behind me as part of the set for the podcast. A uh, uh, fact wall, not a conspiracy wall. Uh, sorry, well, yes, facts. a fact wall. Uh, and a ton of the pages that are printed up here 
are actually from, I don't remember what it was, what the project was actually called, maybe Project Gateway or Operation Gateway. There was an actual investigation that the U.S. government did into astral projection. Huh, correct me if I'm wrong as well. The conclusion essentially being, yeah, it's possible and we need to figure out how to use it before the Russians do. <laughs> Uh, this is a real thing. You can look it up online. You can read all the pages. Brother, I'm so deep into this thing. You you know goddamn idea. When is it coming on the podcast? When can we hear an episode on it? I don't know. It's it's almost not funny. <laughs> Why did you slump your shoulders as if this is like too big of a job? You can't do it. It is too big of a you job. You literally have to re record a podcast next week. We could do it then. No, it's it needs right. time. Okay. It, it really needs time. Uh, no, hilariously, uh, joking aside, one of the reasons I do know so much about it is because, uh, we mentioned it on the bonus episode, uh, the, the TV show version of This Paranormal Life that I have been writing, right. uh, focuses on astral projection. Okay. And, uh, to write properly about that, I actually did a ton of kind of fun, kind of silly research into it, and... Yeah, be because of that, then I've deep dive into my God. There's so much crazy stuff out there. I don't. I mean, the the sounds triggering it is like one thing, where it's like frequencies apparently help you. I don't know your mind travel. Uh, there's also all of this stuff about a silver coil when you travel that attaches your astral body to your soul back on Earth. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have to be careful not to break that, otherwise you can become lost on the astral plane. There's uh, I won't say the name of it because I don't want to be sued. They're kind of at a Scientology level, but there's also an institute in the U.S. that's been functioning for like a crazy amount of years. And I kind of want to do this. You pay them whatever money to go on a retreat mm. and they teach you how to astral project. It's a crazy world. Uh, people take this very seriously. I know. Even to this day. So it could be that, yes, with out-of-body experiences and near-death experiences are kind of a, a shortcut and a cheat code to get there. But there's also very tried and tested methods to achieving this level of outer body experience that, my God, has been around so long that the friggin' military themselves spent money investigating it. Well, I'm so glad you've brought it up. All right, I put my regular hat back on. <laughs> Roy's eyes rolled into the back of his head. I was possessed there for a short period of time. Um... I'm glad you brought it up because uh, it is the elephant in the room of outer body experiences is that one of the most famous, well-known uh, versions of that is astral projection. It's kind of one of the most culturally known ones. I suppose it's different, maybe. I think it's there's maybe a slight distinction only in that astral projection. is kind of deliberate, isn't it? Yeah. And and these near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences, we're talking, I'm talking today about them in almost an accidental context. But uh, I, I felt that astral projection was its own episode and that we would get to that another time. Um, but sure. uh, I'm so glad to hear that you're on the ball with that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a two-parter for sure. Uh, the first part in our dimension, and then the second part... <laughs> is available behind a paywall in the astral realm. Everyone has to uh, hold their breath until their vision goes to a pinpoint, and then right before you lose consciousness, just hit play on your iPod, on your podcast player of choice, and the second episode will kind of come into your mind. Uh, I hope you guys are back to Earth after hearing those uh, auditory tones. 
And maybe you've got a taste from what Rory's described of looking into a bit more astral projection on your own. But just stay tuned to this paranormal life because we will be covering that in more detail in a future episode. But on this episode, the one that we're still here on Earth recording, we have to decide at the end of our episode whether out-of-body experiences are paranormal or not. Yeah. Whether we think they're real. Rory, what are you thinking today? You know, if we had focused entirely today on these types of government experiments they've done into astral projection and, um, you know, that side of things, maybe I'd be edging closer to a yes. Uh, unfortunately, today we were focusing on smoking venom from a toad and a dude who got hit by a train so hard he went to another dimension. Uh, we were talking about uh, 1,122 um, peer-reviewed research right. studies uh, witnesses saying they had gone to a place more real than this one on a, <laughs> uh, on the precipice of death, but go off. <laughs> Some guy got hit by a train so hard he woke up in the real world. You think this is the real world? <laughs> this was the dream he had when he got hit by a train in Gargon 4. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, so this is... This is uh, not real at all. This world that we're in right now. No, it's the, it's the veil of Maya. It is an illusion. Okay. Uh, as described in Hindu scriptures and Buddhism. Okay. Um, that this is simply an illusion, keeping us in the cycle of samsara, in the continual cycle of death and rebirth that we ultimately have to break out of, you know, by smoking toad venom or getting hit by a train. Uh, whatever, whatever gets you off. Sure. Um, so give me your iPad. Give me your huh? iPad then if this isn't the real world. Give me, I'll take the iPad. This is... Because it's just a dream from a frog's brain, so... right? So give me your, and I'll take the phone Weird. as well. If none of it means anything, and I'll it's take the just... wallet and whatever cash you've got. But I'm, but I'm stuck in this world. That's <laughs> yeah, but it's not. On this world, I kind of do need the phone. You because... could probably jump off a bridge and just give me all of your shit. Because it's... Yeah. I'll see you in the next one, huh? But, uh... <laughs> but I'm here. I'm yeah. here now. Is yeah, the thing. in a dream. Yeah. So what is dream money to you? It's like Disney bucks. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. If you're uh, performing musical theater as you would have done as a young man back yeah. in school, while you're on stage, you're not like, kill me. <laughs> Use the knife. I was in, in a in couple the, of the, them, actually. In, in the Macbeth play and slice my throat because this is a f***ing play. <laughs> this is a stage production. It's all fake. Don't you realize? Uh, yeah, I played Lumiere in the stage production of Beauty and the Beast. And uh, Belle was like, wow, what a strange castle. I heard there's a scary monster that lives indoors. And I'm like, cut my throat. <laughs> this isn't real. God! <laughs> like, God. No, no, no. You gotta... Lumiere, Rory, sorry. You gotta just... <laughs> we, know, we know it's not real. But it's like we're, you're pretending yeah, to yeah. be a you're pretending to be like a, a candle that's come to life, and it's kind of a whimsical place. So we're just gonna take it from the top yeah. here. Sorry, so. sorry. It's just every time you yell, cut, it takes me out of it. Yeah, you're <laughs> taking everybody out of it. You're taking everybody <laughs> out of it. Like going off script. Uh, all right, we're dilly dallying here. Um, <laughs> it's a yes today from me. Uh, it's a no from me, straight up. Uh, you know. Is, is that an indication, possibly, of who on the podcast has smoked venom from a reptile and who hasn't? Is that an indication of whose third eye is open and whose third eye is glued shut? <laughs> okay. I think it is. All I'm saying is, I think you might be eating a lot of humble pie 
when we come around to this astral projection uh, episode and uh, and you go on the record saying that all this shit is actually real. Possibly, but all I'm going to say is it, it, sometimes it does some good to have a guy with his third eye closed. Sometimes it's nice to have, if someone's driving the car, right. that they can see what's happening in this world. Sure. And not see intergalactic jesters doing front flips on the, on honestly, the highways. Most of the time I use my third eye to just like text while I'm driving as well. <laughs> right. So like... It's not even being put to good use. <laughs> you call, it's That's the fancy name for your Apple Watch. Yeah. Hey, we managed to land the plane uh, from wherever that plane was, whether you call it the astral realm, whether you call it uh, outside of Samsara and the cycle of rebirth and death. But we hope you enjoyed this investigation into out-of-body experiences and near-death experiences. If you've had your own, we would love to hear about it. Hell yeah. Um, because as we, as we say, we're going to cover more of this stuff in future. Send it in to this paranormal life podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to hear some real paranormal stories, make sure to check out my new podcast. It's tinfoil time. That's oh. when I kind of like, I know we say like this paranormal life is like the comedy paranormal podcast right. where we kind of joke, we tell ghost stories. Uh, tinfoil time, the baseball cap comes off and the tinfoil okay. hat comes on. Any jokes? No jokes, no pleasantries. <laughs> it's actually pretty vulgar and pretty graphic, and pretty wild. Yeah. It's it's five minutes of a very calm introduction of what we're going to be talking about on today's podcast. Then I smoke a vial of toad venom. <laughs> okay. You got some ideas. And just kind of just talk, just rant. It's very rarely about what I briefed everyone on at the beginning of the podcast. And if you've binged all of tinfoil time, but you still want more paranormal goodness, there is, of course, the This Paranormal Life Patreon, patreon.com forward slash This Paranormal Life. The link is in the description of this podcast. Yeah. Where you can get access to uh, over 50, 60 um, full-length bonus investigations into the paranormal. Some of our best cases ever over the last five, six years. Not to mention weekly after parties, behind the scenes looks at the making of this paranormal life and everything that's going on in our world. That comes out every Friday. We also do cool monthly giveaways of stuff from the podcast and from the studio joking about it's tinfoil time i think one of the recent gifts yeah. we gave away was an actual uh tinfoil paranormals <laughs> investigator hat that i made and wore on an episode of the podcast it's true um and some of them have even more monetary value than that like the furbies so many great things over at patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life and remember to head on over to the friggin youtube and our social channels where you can see us in beautiful hd uh, clips from This Paranormal Life on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and just about everywhere you could possibly imagine see some of the best moments from This Paranormal Life. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the shout-outs that we do at the end of the episode. Absolutely. You can get those on Patreon too. Let's do a couple now. So special thank you to Oliver Lindhorst. Oliver, whoa, don't fall over. Oh, Oliver cracked his head. Hey, he's out. Oh boy, he's gone to the toad dimension. Yeah, yeah. Hang on, buddy. Let's try and make sure he has a safe a kind of astral travel by playing... Let's. I, I'm going to play some music on my phone just while he's blacked out. Something nice. Like Metallica? I don't know. Ooh, no. Some, maybe like baby nursery rhymes. Mm, those are kind of creepy, <laughs> Baby actually. dimension. He could end up in the baby dimension. Uh-oh. I'm just going to sing Sweet Caroline out of tune. Safe. That should do the job. Safe. Thanks lastly today to Rebecca Jean Carroll. Come on down to Rebecca's jeans. We got... Big jeans, small jeans, jorts. 
Ooh. Old jeans, new jeans. Very cool. Uh, jean jackets as well. We only have DNA jeans. I'm afraid that's what I meant. Big jeans, small jeans. Oh, Jesus Christ. You're gonna Human go, you're DNA? Gonna have to go up, you're going to have to go down to the jean district if you want a <laughs> jean jacket. So you sell human jeans. I could make you, I suppose I could make you a jacket out of human skin. Please that would don't. be DNA. Please don't. Where is your boss? Rebecca, is it? <laughs> Rebecca is sleeping right now. She, she, is, she is. Wake her up. She's knocked out. She's in the toad dimension. Oh, thank you. Just a couple today. We're back with more next week. But thank you so much to Rebecca. Thank you so much to everyone who supports us on Patreon. We'll, of course, be back uh, with more next Tuesday. Back on Patreon on Friday uh, and later in the month with a bonus episode. And back in the astral dimension whenever you want. Come say hello. Yeah, we'll be hanging out there. Uh, hanging out. We're doing an astral meet and greet. <laughs> it's going to be really cool. So thank you for tuning in. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.